Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining me once again on another episode of the podcast. I'm Reverend Cameron Denton, um, and today I kind of I want to talk about uh, the wilderness. Uh, the wilderness, you know, um, we know that the Israelites, after they were led out of Egypt or led into the wilderness. Um, and, you know, whenever you think of that word, wilderness, what comes to mind? I think oftentimes we think of things like the desert or barrenness. Um, it's a it, it's viewed as a dry place, a difficult and hard, you know, place or season to be in. Um, we can even associate it with rebellion and punishment. But... You know, these, along with other adjectives and nouns that have to do with unpleasantness, you know, they all might be things that, that you associate with the word, you know. However, you know, if we, if we take, if we take this rather negative view of the wilderness, then how do we reconcile the fact that often the Lord himself leads us into it? You know, Mark one twelve says, the Spirit immediately drove him, that is Jesus, out into the wilderness. So, so, you know, like if we, you know, associate the wilderness with being this horrible, bad place full of judgment and punishment from the Lord, then how do we reconcile, you know, that Jesus himself, the pure, sinless, very much perfect Son of God, was driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, the Greek word that's used here, it's ekbalo. It means to lead one forth or away somewhere with a force that is irresistible to him. So essentially, what the Holy Spirit doesn't just like take his hand and skip with him down into the desert land. No, the Spirit didn't simply lead Jesus into the wilderness. He pushed him into it. You know, and after all this, we also have various accounts where Jesus himself in Scripture goes out into the wilderness in his, under his own volition to be alone with the Father. You know, we should also consider that there are certain prophets in Scripture whose entire ministries were conducted in and from the wilderness. You know, John the Baptist is a great example of this, and we'll talk about it more. But, you know, he wore the camel's hair and the leather belts, and he ate the locusts and honey. But in all these things he did from the wilderness, but he proclaimed repentance and the coming of the Messiah, and he baptized people in the desert. You know, I think that we can often give the Israelite children, you know, as they're coming out of Egypt, a bad rap, you know, where the the wilderness was a punishment and to an extent, maybe. But we also have to remember that even in the wilderness, God still performed works and signs and miracles and wonders for them, even though... They had rebelled. They had done those things. They, they're grumbling and they're complaining. But we go on to read that it wasn't because of their righteousness. Because, you know, as we know, our righteousness is filthy rags. But it was because of God, Yahweh. It was for his own sake that he did these things, you know. You know, but, but going back to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah that says, The voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
You know, let's also bear in mind as we go on that Yahweh wishes to lure us into the wilderness so that we would return to intimacy with him. You know, that that's that's another reason, I believe, why the Lord took the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, not just so that the rebellious generation would die off, not just as a punishment, if that's how we're going to view it, but, you know, Hosea 2, the Lord speaks in Hosea 2, and he says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. You go down and it says, In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal or my master. What he's saying is, whenever the Lord brings us out into the wilderness, the, the object could also be not necessarily a punishment, or a humiliation that is a humbling, but he just wants us to return to our first love, which was him. He wants us to return to a place of intimacy with him. You know, and when we have an intimate relationship with Yahweh, we begin to understand the reality and the fullness of his steadfast love for us. And we're no longer satisfied with the idols that we one time chased after. You know, and with all these things in mind, you know, let's move forward now. And rather than viewing the wilderness as a place of punishment and even abandonment, I submit this. The wilderness is a place of three things that I want to talk about today. The wilderness is a place of prostration, of purification, and of preparation. I'll say it one more time. The wilderness is a place of prostration, of purification, and of preparation. So now at this moment, let's just bow our heads and just pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for your word and for your revelation, Lord God. I thank you that you are seated on the throne of heaven and there's no one like you and there's no one in the heavens or the earth that could take your place, O oh God. Lord God, I submit myself to the leading of your Holy Spirit, Father, and let the words that I say come directly from your throne room this, this afternoon, Father God. I ask that you would anoint the ears of everyone who is listening now. And Father God, would you give us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to receive all of the things that you have in store for us today, Father God. I can feel your spirit even now. Lead us, Lord God, and have your way in our midst today. In Jesus' name, amen. Firstly, the wilderness is a place in which Yahweh humbles his people. You know, it's a place that it's a place in which he tests us to know what's in our hearts and whether or not we'll keep his word. You can you read in Deuteronomy 2 8 or 8 2 rather, Deuteronomy 8 verse 2, that the Lord brought them, the Hebrew children that is, out into the wilderness for their humbling and and for testing that he would know the content of their heart and we we know how that we know how that works out where an entire generation due to their pride and due to their unwillingness to submit themselves to the leading of the Lord they died off you know, we whenever we were brought into the wilderness in light of the humbling of the Lord, we, we come to the realization 
that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. We may even ask ourselves, who can understand it, says Jeremiah 17, 9. But you know, it's the Lord who tests the mind and searches the heart. You know, this is why David pins these beautiful words to conclude Psalm 139. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, the desert may seem like this barren, empty wasteland where there's no direction and nowhere to go. But whenever we, we submit ourselves to the Lord and say, Lord, search me, know my heart, search me and know my thoughts. And if there's anything that's not of you, if there's anything that would keep me from, from fully submitting myself to your spirit, then, then let's deal with it now in this moment. Let's, let's take all of these things, all of this pride, all of this arrogance, and all of these, these idols that I've set up in my heart and just burn them away and cast them down so where the only one that is left is you, God. You know, that the people of God in this day would repent of our pride, that we, that we would submit ourselves to the Lord. And how many of us are so desperate that we would not only that only we would not only say with our mouths, but we would also mean with everything that was within us, and we'd say to the Lord, "Search me and know me and mean that." You know how many of us are willing to follow the Holy Spirit into the wilderness that we would submit ourselves to Him? That he would purge us with hyssop so that we'd be clean and wash us that we would be whiter than snow. How many of us are willing to lay ourselves down, humble ourselves and fall in prostration at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, even if I have to go out into the wilderness to get these things exposed into you in your light, that you can deal with it, that we can deal with these things that are holding me from everything that you've called me to be and do. How many of us can honestly say in ourselves, that we are willing to do that. Oh, that we would come out into the wilderness so that everything that's hidden can be exposed in the light of the grace and mercy of the Lord. Come out into the wilderness so that every branch that does not bear fruit can be cut off and burn away. Come out into the wilderness so that Yahweh can test your heart. You know, Scripture says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. I believe that the most damaging thing that a person can do to themselves spiritually is to say, well, everything with me is okay and I have nothing that I need to repent for. That mindset right there is a mindset of pride. And pride is one of the greatest sins that a person could commit. And I believe that we need to fall on our faces in repentance before the Lord, even now, even if we have to get into a desert place, even if we have to go into a barren place, because whenever there's nothing else that can capture our attention, it is in that moment that we can turn our eyes completely to Jesus and know that He is God. You see, Yahweh teaches us in the wilderness how to trust Him with all of our hearts. Because like I said, whenever there's no one else but you and God, you you begin to understand the fullness and the depth of how much He really loves you. 
you know, he reveals himself to us when we're out there in the desert places, not because of our righteousness. No, because like I said earlier, our righteousness, my righteousness, my good works, my goodness, everything that I can do is filthiness. It's not because of my righteousness, but it's because of God's goodness that he reveals himself to us. You know, even in these these dry places that we think that we're alone when it's just you and the Lord and he's it's just you and him and the only thing that you can see is the face of God, you begin to understand that apart from him we have no good thing and it's not and it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. And you know, it's here in the wilderness that we fall on our faces in prostration and worship before a holy and amazing God, humbling, submitting ourselves to His Spirit and asking that He would search us and that He would know us and to cleanse us from any unrighteousness and ungodliness, to expose and cast down any idols hidden in the deepest recesses of our hearts, to cut off and burn away any unfruitful branches in us. You know, I pray this often that, that, there, that if there's anything in me that doesn't look like him, that he would burn it away. And that's a painful process to be in, to go through. But at the end of the day, I want no, I, whenever people look at me, I don't want them to see just another preacher. I don't want just them to see another man who thinks he has all the answers because I don't have all the answers, but I want them to be pointed directly to Jesus. And whenever every other distraction in my life is stripped away and the only thing that my eyes are on are the Lord and his goodness, it is in that moment that I can say, no, don't worship me. Don't fall on your knees like they did before Paul. Oh, but point your eyes to Jesus because he is the way he is the truth and he is the life because it's not about me in my human frailty but it's in the lord god and his supernatural strength and presence and power and his glory and mercy my words aren't the things that changes people it is the goodness of god and so i believe that we are oftentimes brought out into the wilderness not as a punishment, but as an opportunity for us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of a holy God. Consecration is also a thing that happens in the wilderness. And let me read again from Hosea, Hosea 2, beginning with verse 14. It says, Therefore, behold, I, that is the Lord, will allure her and bring her into the wilderness to speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards and make the valley of Achor trouble, a door of hope. He says, I will give her vineyards and I will make the valley of her trouble a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my Baal. Baal means master. For I will remove the name of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. 
you know, oftentimes whenever the Lord leads us out into the wilderness, it's not so he can like reprimand us or berate us, but it's so he can speak tenderly to us so he can speak his love into our lives whenever that's not a thing that we've allowed ourselves to listen to for a long, long time. We're brought out into the place in which Yahweh can speak to us clearly because all the distractions have been purged from us. And he speaks love and life. He speaks blessing and holiness. And he speaks, he speaks tender mercies and justice over us. We, whenever You remember whenever you first came to this revelation of Jesus Christ that he is the Son of God and he is the Savior of the world. And he and you've set him up as the king of your heart. You remember whenever you first got saved and how how in love you were with him and how how in 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 capture captured you were and how much you wanted to be in the presence of God as long as you possibly could. But as as you know, as the love matured and as a relationship with the Lord grew grew, grew on. Is it possible that some of us have allowed our love for the Lord to grow cold? Is it possible for us to turn our eyes from Jesus and begin to give our love to another? You know, it's because he loves us and he desires us that the Lord brings us out into the wilderness and he wants our hearts more than he wants our religious traditions. Very often we can allow a, a doctrine or a tradition or a religious ceremony to become an idol in our lives. And instead of worshiping the Lord, we're worshiping the process or we're worshiping a tradition or a ceremony instead of worshiping the God of it. And he brings us into the wilderness so that all of these bales in our lives, all of these masters that we've set up and started to serve would be cast down and burned away that we would no longer remember their names, that we would name know and remember the names Jehovah, Yahweh, the great I am. We know that he loves us and he desires us and in the wilderness here we learn the reality of God's love for us and we know that it can never be matched by an idol simply put can an idol love us the way that our God loves us or can a God made by the hands of man long for us the way that our God longs for us and it's because we know that there is nothing in heaven or on earth made by human hands that could ever come close to the glory and majesty of our king our God we cast down the idols that we have set up and we chop down the trees under which we've worshipped and we burn the altars of every false god in our lives that has captured our attention. And here in this wilderness, we turn to the one true God whose name is Yahweh. Oh, we turn to you once again, oh God, here in this wilderness place. Oh, we cast down every idol, every false god we denounce, and we turn our eyes to you, God, for you alone are the king. You alone are seated on the throne of heaven, and there's no one that could take your place. You alone, Yahweh, through the stars in the sky, you know them by name. You sent your son that he would become sin, though he knew no sin, and that he would bear the sacrifice that he 
he would become the sacrifice that we would have eternal life who that we would believe on him and live forever with you oh god we need to remember too that the priesthood of aaron was consecrated and commissioned in the wilderness and even as they that that first priesthood was consecrated and commissioned in the wilderness so are we the children of god called a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession so are we consecrated and commissioned by the lord you know but our high priest is not of the order of a man but no he is a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek and his name is Jesus and we follow the instructions of Paul in 2 Timothy 2 verse 21 and we cleanse ourselves from that is that which is dishonorable so that we'll be able to be vessels used for honorable use set apart as holy consecrated as holy unto the Lord useful to the master of the house ready for every good work in the wilderness is whenever the secret sins that we've put on the throne of our hearts are dealt with and we're washed clean under the blood of Jesus it's here in the wilderness that we consecrate ourselves so that the word that the Lord can use us for his purpose. You know, so the Lord draws us out into the wilderness in our broken and wretched state, not that he would exact judgment on us, but rather that he might show us how great and wide and deep and high his love for us truly is. It's the kindness of God that leads us, leads people to repentance. And it's in the wilderness where we consecrate ourselves unto the Lord and allow him to cleanse us with his refining fire. Finally, the last point that I want to touch on is preparation. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says this, a voice cries in the wilderness prepare a way of the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God we've come to know that this verse prophesies the coming of John the Baptist but let's look at Matthew 17 11 and take a look at the words of Jesus to his disciples and I believe once we when we do that our eyes are open to something more Matthew 17, 11 says, And he answered and said, Elijah is coming and, and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah already came and they did not recognize him, but they did to him whatever they wished. The disciples in, the, in that moment understood that Jesus was referring to John the Baptist. <coughs> you know, but I believe that the Lord was also prophesying a generation to come who, like John the Baptist, would operate in the spirit and power of Elijah to, their heart, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. I believe that just as John the Baptist was made 
so to speak, in the wilderness, so now is the Father preparing a company of consecrated ones, a host of end-time prophets, his Nazarites in the wilderness, who will come forth with a message of repentance and intimacy with God. They will not look like the religious of their day, but they'll put on the camel's hair of the Spirit of God. They'll eat the locusts and the honey of the Word of God, and they will stand firm, flat-footed, and uncompromising on the truth of the Word. See, see, Jesus understood. Jesus was prophesying whenever he said, Elijah is going to come and he'll set everything right. But he was also talking about John the Baptist, but he's saying that there's an end-time company of prophets in the earth now, today, July 15th, 2020, that the Lord is preparing in secret places, in wilderness places, in desert places that are untouched by religious traditionalism, that are untouched by religious ceremonialism, that the Lord himself is raising up in the earth. Oh, and these people, these prophets, these consecrated ones, these Nazarites of God are rising up now and they will begin to proclaim repentance for the kingdom of God is here. Repentance for Jesus Christ is coming soon. He's These people are going to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Oh, and I believe that these people who, who are hidden by the hand of God in these secret desert wilderness places very, very, very soon, I believe that they will be for, called forth by the Lord to begin their assignments here on the earth today. The Lord is preparing his prophets even now so that when he sends them out from the wilderness into the harvest field, they can proclaim, repent, for Jesus is soon returning. The consecrated ones of Yahweh won't seek any spotlight or platform or stage, oh no, but they will point directly to Jesus. They'll understand these 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 prophets that the Lord is bringing forth understand that it's not about the person bringing the message but it's about Jesus. They they understand that it is that God does not share his glory with another. They'll glorify his name above all other names. They'll call for holiness and repentance and intimacy because they will know the heart of the Father. These wilderness prophets, these consecrated ones that God is raising up, these messengers will be completely counter to the religious status quo of their day. And it's not out of they're not be they're not rebellious but they've been charged by Yahweh to speak whether or not the people will listen because these prophets of God have been molded and made by the hand of the Lord out in secret wilderness places they will not be polluted by a watered down doctrine devised by the hand of a man but you will find them deep in study and meditation on the word of God seeking the Lord's counsel seeking the Holy Spirit's wisdom they're being prepared right now these consecrated ones these, these wilderness prophets are being set apart and prepared right now by the Lord in the wilderness places 
And I believe with everything in me that very, very soon, and it may be happening at this moment, the Lord is going to send them forth and the world will be shaken and the kingdom of God will be recognized in the earth. Oh God, would you lead us, your people, out into the wilderness today? We humble ourselves before you and we lay prostrate at your feet and we worship you for who you are. We consecrate ourselves to you, God, and we ask that you would purify our hearts and refine us with fire. Prepare us, O oh God, prepare our hearts for the message of the consecrated ones of your people, your Nazarites, that you're bringing and calling forth. O oh God, prepare us for the hour of Christ's return is drawing nearer and nearer every day. Raise up your messengers, O oh God. Lord, we submit ourselves to you. And we say, Lord Jesus, come. <laughs> Lord, let the church... God, let the church return to holiness and repentance and intimacy with you. Oh, Father, we love you and we bless your name. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thank you all once again for joining me on another podcast. I pray that uh, that you would be blessed this week as you go forth. Um, I pray that you would that, that 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 this this message touched you as and moved you as deeply as it touched and moved me. <clears throat> Thank you so much for joining me, and I will I will see you all next week. Bye bye.